So we became comfortable with cushioned pews and decent music and let our cities burn. No, sir. And I think that we need to become more concerned, you know, I pray that every one of you get the house on the hill that you want. You know I believe in prosperity. But what good is it going to do you to have a house on the hill when the entire hill is set afire? We have to be interested not only in our comfort, but what our grandchildren are going to inherit. We need to think about future generations because it's written in the Bible and I'm not going to chase too many rabbits. Once I get started, I'm going to glue myself right here so I can say what I need to say. But a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. He's not just concerned about his day. A righteous man, and that doesn't mean just money. That means a righteous man leaves a security, a place of security for his children's children. And so we need to get involved because if we shut off the light, darkness is the only other option. Amen? And I want to say this, you know, the... um, when, when I first put this graphic up on Facebook, I was contacted by two people. One I know very well, one I don't know. But one asked me, are you a 501c3 church? Because I know what he was insinuating is that be, by being a 501c3 church, I'm not allowed to speak about things like this. I differ. I have a voice. I had a God-given right to speak. You have a God-given right to speak I may not agree with what you got to say but I'll fight for your right to say it because if y'all listening to me if today I tolerate them silencing the voices I disagree with it won't be many days until they silence the voices I agree with we can never get to the place where the only voices we think have a right to speak are the voices we agree with We need to let everyone talk. Your right to speak does not mean I have an obligation to listen. But I do have an obligation to fight for your right to speak. Because when they silence freedom of speech, they take away freedom of thought. And freedom of thought is our most cherished possession. No group think. Don't. Make them make you think according to a group. You're a smart man. You're a smart woman. And you have a right to think for yourself. You have a right to do your own research. Now listen, once you reach your conclusion, reach your conclusion. But reach it because you think it's right. Y'all following me? Four years ago, at the end of today's service, I'm going to pass you out this sheet. And this isn't my sermon yet, so my time hasn't started. I handed out the same thing four years ago. And there was a young man in our church who has since moved to the coast. And this young man told me his whole life he had voted the same way every election because he was taught to vote for a certain party. He said, I never listened to him. I didn't even know what they stood for. I just know me and my people, and he was referring to his family. He said, me and my people always voted the same way. He said, when you gave me their platform, he said, I changed. I changed. And so at the end of the service, many of you probably have already voted. So if you don't want to receive this, you don't have to. If you haven't voted yet, I would really suggest you get this. And here's why. And then we'll get into the message. Understand that politicians are players. Both sides of the aisles. They have aspirations and ambitions. They all want to become big dog. And so when they're running, they will tell you what their research tells them you want to hear. But once they get in office, you don't matter no more. If you not realize that, You only matter. The little people, they'll be surprised how little we ain't. But once they get into office, they vote 80% of the time according to their party's agenda. 
They call it a party platform. 80% of the time, this is what they vote according to. Okay? So here's what I'm telling you. Don't be swayed by personalities. Don't be swayed because that's all an act. They act sweet and you don't know behind the scenes they cuss you out. Right? They, it, 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 they, they, he ain't so mean and he ain't so sweet. But once they get into the office, if they, wanna, if they want to rise up in the party ranks, they have to vote according to the party platform. So what you need to do is read this and say, I agree with that or I disagree with that. And then because once, once they get into office, 80% of the time, this is how they're voting. Not according to their constituents but according to the party platform, because they want to rise up. And because, is this okay? This is how it works, man. I hate to say it. It's a game. And if you don't know the rules, have you ever noticed if you don't know the rules of a game, you always lose? If you want to win the game, the first, whenever I sit down to play a board game, I want to know the instructions. Right? Because if I don't know the instructions, I know one thing, I'm going to lose the game. And it's the same with this. We need to learn the game. And the game is they tell you what you want to hear till they get in, and then they vote what's best for them because of their aspirations and ambitions. So when we understand what the platform is, forget about the personality, because once they get in, this is what they're going to do. And if you agree with it, great. And if you don't agree with it, think for yourself. Even if you're the only house on your whole block with that sign outside. You know what that tells me? You're a free thinker. And, and unfortunately, in today's culture, you're also pretty courageous. But we need to be strong and courageous. Amen? All right. Let's start my timer and let's go ahead and begin. Today, I'm going to be, men I'm going to be speaking to you about paganism reinvented. And I'm going to begin with two quotes. But before I read these quotes, here's something else I want to say to you. Rabbit. Woo! I remember years ago at another election was the most important election in our lifetime. You ever notice they're always the most important election in our lifetime? And my wife and I were sitting at Victory Christian Center, pastored by Billy Joe Daughtery, and the guest speaker was a unknown Miles Monroe. And Miles Monroe, because this was the most important election of our lifetime, he stood up and he said, Jesus Christ is not a Republican. And the whole church went quiet. It was almost sacrilegious. Right? And then he went further to say, God is not even an American. And I got to admit, I was like, what? We know he ain't Polish, because I can understand him when he talks. See, conservatives always want to portray Jesus as if he is a neo-traditionalist. And liberals always want to paint Jesus as if he was a radical social reformer. But you and I understand that he is greater than both of those things. He is Savior, he is Messiah, he is Deliverer, and he is King. See, y'all ain't even, I lost some of you right there. Because we like to make God in our image. And if we, you know, because the Bible says every man's way is right in his own eyes. So if this is how I think, if I can convince myself God thinks the same way, it reinforces my right to be wrong. Because after all, God thinks just like me. No, he don't. His ways are higher than your ways. And I don't care how smart you are, you intellectual awoke one. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And it's not our job to make him in my image or your image. It's our job to conform ourselves to his image. And so when, when the conservatives want to proclaim he's a traditionalist, he's greater than that. When the liberals want to proclaim he's a social reformer, he's greater than that. You and I need to proclaim him as king. And we don't worship a donkey, and we don't worship an elephant. All right, I want to read you two quotes. Is this okay? 
I'm gonna, this first quote is from E. Williard, and it was written in 1843. He was a social or a political scientist, I should say. And he wrote this, The government of the United States is acknowledged by the wise and good of other nations to be the most free, impartial, and righteous government of the world. But all agree, listen to this, that for such a government to be sustained many years, the principles of truth and righteousness as taught in the Holy Scriptures must be practiced by the rulers that govern in the fear of God, and the people must obey the laws. In order for our nation to sustain itself, we need to have God-fearing, not God-ignoring rulers. Because when they begin to ignore God, they make our system of government to fit their theology, which is immorality. And then the next one I want to give you is written in 1776 from a little-known document called the Declaration of Independence. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just a portion I want you to hear. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with, create, with, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, now, I want you to hear this. Your rights come from God, not from men. If you allow men to give you your rights, they can take those rights away. But if you and I understand my rights come from God Almighty because I am created in His image, then no man can take my rights away. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. You notice to, to secure these rights, not provide these rights, not to create these rights. Deriving the government, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, once again, you may think that today's title, Paganism Reinvented, is odd, but I think by the end of our time together today, you'll understand the why of the title. We are most certainly in a fight for the soul of our nation, but this fight did not begin with the advent of Donald Trump to the office of the presidency. This fight's been going on since before America was even a nation. This is the same fight Israel had to fight, and it's a fight not versus the, the D's versus the R's, the liberals versus the conservatives, it truly is a fight between righteousness and wickedness, between light and darkness. Now, I don't want you to think that I am up here as a proponent of one party. Do I have political views? Yes, but you might be surprised if I shared them with you, which I ain't. Because my job is not to tell you how to vote. I just want you to vote. I want you to get so fired up one way or the other you vote. And then when you vote, no matter who wins, your obligation is not to rant and rave and call the person who won a devil. Because can I, can I share something with you, another little rabbit? Whether it be Donald Trump or Joe Biden, can I share something with you they both have in common? They were both created in the image of Almighty God. They're both fearfully and wonderfully made. And they both are loved by Jesus Christ and he died for both of them. And you and I have no right to call either one of them wicked or evil. You and I have no obligation or, the, or should I say the only obligation you and I have is to pray for them. And if you ain't praying for your leaders, keep your mouth shut because you ain't got a right to call them anything. And it doesn't matter what side of the, the spectrum you're on. I get really agitated when people I know get online and they call this one or that one the devil. Yes. Joe Biden ain't the devil and Donald Trump ain't the savior or vice versa. They are both men doing what they feel is right and what you got to decide is who's right according to the Bible. That's all. Beyond that, you pray for them. So once, you, once one of them gets into office, 
You got four years to pray. And if it ain't going the way you want, you got four years to change your stinking vote. Is this okay? You know, one of, the, I, I, one of the things I love about America, my wife and I have been in over 25 nations of the world. And it always amazes me. It's one thing to live in a country. It's another thing to go there for the weekend. And I love weekend warriors who go to some place like a Muslim country and they come back and say, it's the most beautiful country in the world. How long were you there? Two days. Where'd you stay? Five-star hotel. Did you ever get outside? Oh, no, it's too dangerous outside the compound. And that's what you want to turn America into. Yeah, because they free. They ain't free because the person waiting on you was enslaved. A sharp-dressed slave, but a slave nonetheless. Are y'all here this morning? If you got out and saw the rest of the world and quit letting Hollywood describe the world to you, go visit a couple nations. Stay there long enough. They ain't got toilet paper or milk. And when you come back, you'll be very, very grateful. Yes. Not because it's a perfect place. It's imperfect because we here. But it's a blessed place, and we need to keep praying and asking God, God, bless this land. And that's true no matter what land. you. Every nation of the world needs Jesus Christ. Every nation of the world needs to be liberated from tyranny by the grace of God and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ought not to treat our rights disdainfully. You remember there was one in the Bible. He was the firstborn and he had rights. But he treated those rights disdainfully and he, he exchanged those rights for a bowl of soup. What are you changing your rights for? A welfare check? Come on now. The thing about freedom is it gives us responsibility. I didn't think it'd be this quiet. Not at the beginning. We are in a fight. This, listen to this. This fight is not political. It's not social. And it's really not even cultural. It's spiritual. And because it's spiritual, there's only one organization on the whole planet outfitted to fight it. And that's the church. Amen. So that's why we got to know what's going on. Go with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12. And this is how we're going to get started. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12 says this concerning the parallels America has with ancient Israel. When Israel was coming into their land, they were coming out of slavery. They had wandered in the desert and they had seen God do a great many things. Manna, water from a rock, the drowning of the Egyptians in the sea, the conquest of the land. They had seen all these things. And here's what God says to them. You ready for this? Everyone say, Pastor. Pastor. I'm listening. Then watch yourself, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Whenever in the story, the narrative of Israel, whenever they would lose their memory and forget God, they always slipped into paganism. Always. The only thing that would inoculate them from this continual pull to the darkness was the remembrance of what God had done for them at their foundation. Yes, sir. When they would forget about the manna and they'd forget about the deliverance from Egypt and they'd forget about all the wonderful things God had done, they pretty soon found themselves in the hands of the pagans in tyranny. Listen to this. Scholars have stated that American history has been properly taught for over five generations. As America loses its memory, we too are slipping into paganism reinvented. Lose history, and as a nation, we lose everything. Think of senility. When a man loses his memory... He loses everything. 
He is disoriented. He can easily be led astray. His personality and character erode. And as anyone who has ever witnessed, it's one of the most heartbreaking tragedies possible in a human life. Because the one you knew and loved turns into someone else when they lose their memory. The same is true of societies. As a society, our memory is what we call our history. And if you can cancel history, you can change destiny. Do you want to know how insidious the cancel culture is? Because it's removing from us our concept of history. And when it does that, we're no longer a community with the same story, different origination points, but we're all the same. We're all Americans. No, no, no. They want to subcategorize us into this kind of American, that kind of American, or another kind of American. And instead of being a community with a shared story, we're now just a group of individuals fighting for our own individual rights. And it makes no difference to me how my rights impact you. Because I'm not part of your community. That's right. That's right. Yes, Are y'all following me? Yes. This thing is so wicked it couldn't be devised by a human mind. Listen to this in Romans chapter 15 verse 4. I'm just going to read to you the first sentence. Whatever was written beforehand, meaning historically, is meant to instruct us and how to live. Whatever was written before, when, when as Christians we need to know what Moses went through, we need to understand what David went through, we need to understand their battles and their victories. You want to know why? Because if I know how they lived and what mistakes they made, it, it prevents me from making the same mistakes yes, and trying to apply remedies that were proven a thousand years ago not to work, right. calling it something new and reapplying it. Are y'all here this morning? American education is discarding actual history. Our high schools and colleges teach less and less of it, and what they do teach is usually distorted to suit present moral sensibilities and political agendas. When our society becomes senile, we don't know history, and we don't know that we don't know it. I know you can edit to make anything look like anything, but it's, it's really disheartening when they take a microphone out to a public square somewhere and they ask somebody who Abraham Lincoln was and they think it's a modern-day NBA player. They ask him what the Civil War was about and they don't even know who fought it. They ask him what the American Revolutionary War was and they never heard of it. So you've got to understand this is all part of a plan to erase... If, if, you see, as someone who's traveled other nations, I can stand up and tell you that there's not a nation on the planet that's not been impacted for the gospel of Jesus Christ from America. Uh, forget about political agendas and think about the kingdom of our Christ. More missionaries have come out of this land than any other land ever. More money has been spent from this country, from kingdom people in this country building hospitals and orphanages and churches and lighthouses in other lands than any other nation. There is no other nation that even comes close to our charity. There's no other nation that even comes close to our generosity. And if the devil shuts us down, he shuts off the light. It's just truth, man. Don't matter if you like it or don't. And when we don't know what we don't know, listen to this. We are susceptible to embracing proven lies as newfound truths. Let me say that again. When we don't know our history, when we have no recollection of what went on before. It's, listen, and I think my wife and I have estimated in our library we've got about 3,000 books. I guess about 
maybe a little less than a hundred of them are history books. I like history. And in fact, I had to rewrite this lesson several times because it was just coming across too academic. Dates and days and names. But the truth of the matter is, if we understood the providence of heaven that was showcased in the establishing of this country. Young people today, they think this country was founded on pure evil. Were the people that founded it perfect? Are you? No, of course they weren't perfect. But we make a terrible mistake when we judge past generations according to a newfound morality, which really is no morality at all. But we want to judge them by what we know as truth, and now we find ourselves suddenly the moral superiors. And so it justifies us erasing them from existence. And if you've erased them from existence, you can't learn from their lessons, good or bad. We need to learn from their mistakes. Did they make mistakes? My God, of course they made mistakes. But if we're a smart people, we look at the mistakes and we say, you know what? I ain't going to do that. Why? Because when they did it, it didn't work. But if we suddenly don't know they make, because they're erased from our public squares, they're erased from our textbooks, they're erased from our mindset, we, we, we take a lie and think, well, it must be the truth. I never heard this before. Well, if you opened up a history book, you would have heard about it. It never works. See, this is why it's not about the R's and the D's. This is about darkness, trying to shut down the church. Are you saying that party's anti-God? No, 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 no. Rise above that. I'm trying to approach this from a kingdom perspective. And there's good people in both parties. And there's bad people in both parties. So Facebook, you don't got to shut us off. We apply failed solutions to age-old problems. We unwittingly repeat humanity's past mistakes. We have no sense of where our choices may lead, even when the answers have been recorded at the terrible cost of ruined empires and ruined lives. And also, we have no appreciation for the progress we actually have made. That one right there. See, I, I've, I've talked to people like Mother Edwards and others who have lived in past generations. And you, you know, see, sometimes we got to hear the voices of the older generation instead of the young people who think they know everything and they know nothing. You talk to some of these older and you say, hey, are we better than we were? And almost inevitably they'll say, yes. Have we arrived? No. Are we making progress? Yes. And that's all we need to know. All I need to know is, look, at if I'm on a diet, I just need to know I'm making some progress. I need to know I'm getting somewhere. And as a culture, if we know we're getting somewhere, it gives us the enthusiasm to keep up the fight and, and to keep improving and keep perfecting. And those things that are there because of human flesh and prejudices, we can do away with those, but only through his gospel. Amen. I'm not making you mad, am I? And listen to this. We lack the humility, being superior to all who came before us and judging them based on our newfound American morality. We erase them from existence. America has lost its memory. And as our culture, let's go, listen to this. As our culture, let's go of faith in the absolute power and grace of God. We've accepted the belief of an all-powerful state. Communism and socialism are anti-God and anti-Christian. The battle against these isms, listen to this, the battle against these isms never was and is not now just economic and political. It's spiritual. We have people in our church that have come from Romania. My wife and I, I've been to Siberia, I've been to Russia, I've been to other countries. And there is one thing that is true in every socialist, every communist country. Their battle is not against capitalism. 
China has embraced capitalism, and some would say they do a better job of it than we do. But to this day, though they embrace capitalism, you know who they still persecute and murder and imprison? Christians. Why? Because you can't have two saviors. If the state be your God, it will tolerate no other. And if God be your God, he will tolerate no others. It's written in the word. And if it's written, our uncertainty is unnecessary. You can't serve two gods. Else you'll love one and you'll hate the other. You'll be connected to one and you'll disconnect from You can't serve God and you can fill in the gaps. Politics. Come on now, is this okay? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4 out of the New Living. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. One translation says, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we're fighting, but we're not fighting with sticks and stones and Molotov cocktails. We're, start, we're, we're, we're waging war with His Word. We're waging war with prayer. We're waging war with praise. We are fighting. Oh, we got to fight. You're in the army now, bro. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you enlisted on that day. Is this okay? The battle is for men's hearts and souls. It's not a battle for men's minds. It's not intellectual. In fact, the mind will only believe what the heart dictates. Because the Bible says it's out of the heart that flow the issues of life. It's a question. Listen to this. It's a question of devotion. Y'all following me? I don't know if y'all are like thinking really deeply or you're about to like unfriend me. (laughs) I love y'all. Don't unfriend me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 out of the Passion Translation. I just quoted it, but listen to this. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will, eat, you will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the two God, the true God, while enslaved to the God of money or politics or fame or any other thing you want to substitute in there. So here's what I want to submit to you today for your consideration, and you can disagree, that socialism is nothing more than reinvented paganism. So understand that when they're crying that socialism is a utopia. It ain't, and it never has been, nowhere it's been tried, and everywhere it's instituted, the first group persecuted is y'all. The first thing they shut down is the church. The first people they imprison are the Christians. The first next hang, y'all thinking, oh, pastor, you're being too graphic. I'm telling you the truth. The first people guillotined and hung are the Christians. Why? Because you represent a kingdom they can't tolerate. Paganism, what is paganism? Paganism is the worship, the devotion to anything other. Now, I need you to listen really closely here. Anything other than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When a politician says, God, you don't know what God they're referring to. Don't be impressed by the fact that they say God. What God are you referring to? Are you talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? The father of my Lord Jesus Christ. Paganism is the devotion to any other thing other. I know this is tight, but it's right. Paganism is the worship of anything, anything, anything other than the God of Abraham. Say Abraham, Abraham. Isaac, Isaac. and Jacob. Jacob. 
and the Father of my Lord, Jesus Christ. If your devotion is to anything else, then, bro, I love you, but you are a pagan. It's just the way it is. He doesn't share his. Your heart's got to be totally his. Mm. It, listen to this. It could be the devotion to all things secular. Secularism is paganism. Well, I don't believe there is a God. That's paganism. I believe trees are God. That's paganism. I believe Joseph Stalin was God. Paganism. I believe my favorite politician is God. It could be the worship of false deities, such as a donkey or an elephant. Because after all, my rights don't come from who sits in the Oval Office. No, no. My rights come from who sits upon a throne. And not just any throne. The throne at the center of heaven. That's where my rights come from. So my rights were not given to me by a man, so I don't look to man to do anything but get out of the way of my rights. Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because tomorrow, is it tomorrow or Tuesday? Tuesday is election day. And you got to be aware that you are casting a vote. Make sure it's a kingdom vote. Well, pastor, ain't neither one of them Christians. Listen, listen. It ain't about them. It's about you. Making an educated, prayer-filled vote. Because one of the greatest rights we have as Americans, listen, there's not a land, I, I told you already, I've been to over 25 nations and not for the weekend. And I've never visited a land where the people didn't live in fear of their governments. Except here. Now we're getting to the place where we're afraid, but we ought to resist that fear. Because we don't do fear. Here. Amen. And so the way, listen, if things aren't going the way we like, you know how we change it? We vote. Do you know, listen, if, 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 okay, I'm going to close my eyes so no one thinks I'm looking at anyone. But I got, I was raised up north, staunchly union, completely Democrat. That's just the way we were raised. We didn't even, we had group think. We didn't think any other way. If all of the Democrats in the nation would decide, I don't like the way the Democratic Party was going. And so they stopped voting Democrat. You know what would change overnight? Democratic Party. Okay, let's reverse that. I voted Republican. Five generations of my family. I'm a direct lineage of Abraham Lincoln, the very first Republican. We've always voted Republican. I don't like the way the Republican Party's going. If every Republican stopped voting Republican, you know how quickly the Republican Party would change? Overnight. Because your vote empowers their path. Boy, y'all are so quiet. I can't wait till next week when I preach, let the king do his thing. Let the king do his thing. Yeah, pastor, we love you. Give me a second. I'm projecting myself into next Sunday. It'll be good next Sunday. I'll be loved next Sunday. In every communist country, the head of state is worshipped. If you could go into the Soviet Union of yesteryear, you know what statues were in every public square and whose picture was on every wall? Joseph Stalin. Why? Because he was the god of the state. If you go to China to this day, do you know what picture you'll find everywhere? Chairman Mao. Why? Because he's the God of the state. 
Do you have bread? Thank Father Stalin. Do you have a bed? Thank Chairman Mao. Are you free? Thank the party. Do you see where? I wish there was a party called the Kingdom Party. Boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was a party that could rise up, whose people were devoted to one another in love, whose party platform was the scriptures, who were motivated from grace and operated out of truth and showed true tolerance for one another? Boy, wouldn't it be great if there was a third party called the Kingdom Party? Wait, there is. It's called the church. And we're the most powerful party in the United States of America. If we could lay aside our differences, Pentecostal, charismatic, and Baptist, and denominational, and non-denominational, and just realize we are a people of the king, citizens of the kingdom, and so we're going to pray up, we're going to step up, we're going to rise up, we ain't going to be silenced no more, and we're going to demand of our officials righteousness, and if you operate in unrighteousness, the next go around, you are Thank you for those two amens. We're stronger than what they've led us to believe. If the church would get involved and we would change the sway and the way of our nation, then perhaps there wouldn't be an entire generation that thinks that Jesus Christ is an ancient Jew and archaic in his teachings and of no application for today. And perhaps we wouldn't have so lost our way that we've been confused into thinking there's not two genders, but there's 106 genders. I guess he was right. We're not going to have to go to two services right away. Let's go back to the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths. Everyone say truths. The wonderful thing about kingdom truths is they are absolute. They're not changed by the dictator, the wishes of men. A man may wish the truth wasn't the truth, but that doesn't change the truth. It only belittles the man. The truth of God is unchanging. The truth of God is eternal. And you've heard me say this to you before, but the true objective of faith is to make God's truth my reality. But it's God's truth that will last. It's God's truth that will sustain us. If we build our lives upon God's truth, God's truth will build our lives. So we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. It doesn't say that all men are always treated equal. And that's the sad reality of our history as well as our present day. But all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life and liberty and a pursuit of happiness. But I wrote this down. But the state can't compete against an almighty creator. And if your rights come from a creator, then your devotion and your reliance will be upon the creator and not the state. So the solution is remove the creator from the public square. Remove the creator from the public conscience. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. For what purpose? To provide our rights? To secure our rights. Meaning that they are a safeguard that no one violates my divine rights. Socialism or communism does not derive their powers from the consent of the governed, but by the domination of the governed. Psalm 2, verses 1 through 3. Listen to this. Reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. How dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit 
as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king, saying, let's come together and break away from the creator. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. Can I say this? Immorality is not liberty. For the wages of sin remain death. Sin is not defined by legislature. Sin is defined by God. The legislature might pass a law saying this is okay, but if God in his word said thou shalt not, it doesn't matter how many times they tell you you can. For we will not be judged of him by them we will be judged of him by his word and if he said thou shall not guess what thou ought not because to find yourself on the wrong side of God in the Civil War I read in one of my books that a southern sympathizer was in the Oval Office with Abraham Lincoln And the southern sympathizer asked Abraham Lincoln at the height of the Civil War, do you really believe that God is on the side of the Yankee? And Abraham Lincoln said, it's not a question of whether God is on our side. The true question, Steve, is are we on God's side? And so in every debate, in every decision, it's not about whether God is on our side. What we need to do is search the scriptures and discover, are we on on his side? Are we taking sides with God and his Christ in this debate? Because if we're not, then we are on the wrong side. Never confuse the will of the majority with the will of God. A democracy is not God's greatest form of government. A theocracy is. Oh, man. (sighs) Listen to this. When one nation under God becomes one nation apart from God, expect the consequences. I know, I felt that right in my kneecaps. When one nation under God becomes one nation apart from God, will never so highly evolve in our intellect and in our morality that we no longer need God. And God is not a crutch of the weak and the feeble and the uneducated. He is God forever and ever and ever. A very interesting Bible verse is this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, if this is true, then do you suppose if the Spirit of the Lord is removed, what takes the place of liberty? The opposite of, listen to this, the opposite of the word liberty is captivity, bondage, servitude, subjection, constraint, serfdom, slavery. So when the church is silent as governments make decisions to remove God, to take the Ten Commandments from every public square, and we're content as long as we can gather together on Sunday and shake our booty and lift our hands and pretend it's all good, are we doing our job? When they remove prayer from our schools and we sit silent and do nothing, When they replace creation with evolution and they tell your precious child that he or she is nothing more than an evolved monkey and we sit quiet. 
and we do nothing. When a nation under God becomes a nation apart from God, there are consequences. Can I say this to you, RLC? We need God in America again. We need church in our homes. We need church in our schools. As the church of the living God, we must become the light. I remember in Poland, first year, second year there, we were up in a little place. Was it Golgochuf? No, that's where we lived. It was Gizitsko. In a little village called Gizitsko up in the northern part of Poland, and we were there to preach for this local church, and the pastor told me, I didn't even know him, but he asked me a question. What did I think about him retiring from the pastorate to get involved in politics? And I asked him why, and this is what he said. I'll, I'll never forget it because it was enlightening to me. He said, as a pastor, I'm making no difference. As a politician, perhaps I can stop the slide into morality of my people. I told him, obey God. He retired from his pastorate, and for a decade he served as the mayor of his city. See, listen. We don't like what's taking place in our schools, but none of us step up because we ain't got the time to get on the school board. We don't like what's taking place in our city, but how many of us sit on the city council? Come on now. Pastor, I ain't got time. Don't make me say what I was about to say. We don't like the way of our state, but none of us run for legislature. We don't like what's taking place in our nation, but we won't even be inconvenienced enough to vote. Don't let your voice be silenced. God gave you a mind. Think. God gave you a voice. Use it. God gave you a will. Make a choice. That's the essence of liberty. Liberty is the ability to choose that you don't make my choices for me. You don't tell me how to think. You don't tell me what songs to sing. You don't tell me what God to serve. You don't tell me what to do. My liberty is a gift from God. Choose you this day. Who, who makes the choice? You do. But make a choice. Is this okay? Y'all still love me? The enemy, listen to this. The enemy always promises. You study history, there's three things that every rebellion promises. The enemy always promises liberty, equality, and justice. I'm going to say that again. They always promise. You can look at the People's Liberation Army of China. You can look at the Bolsheviks. You can look at Venezuela. You can look at Cuba. They, they, they always promise three things. We promise you equality. Who doesn't want equality? Right? Put us in office and we will finally give you equality. My rights don't come from you. You didn't create me so you can't make me equal. Who do you think you is, Fidel? You think you're Jesus? Hey, y'all got to come on. You got to listen to me. Throughout history, remember this is why we can't be ignorant of history because they always do the same thing. And if we knew our history, it wouldn't work. Because if we knew our history, when they show up at my door and they're saying, put me in office and I will give you equality, I will give you justice and I will give you liberty, I would say, I've heard that voice before. You aren't my creator, so you can't give me equality. My equality comes from him. You can't, you are not my creator, so you can't give me liberty. My liberty comes from him. Are y'all here? But when we don't know our history, we think finally someone's going to make it equal. And be shocked once they get into office, yeah, it becomes equal. They take an equal share of yours and theirs. Man can't give what only God can provide. But when we think we can have the blessings of God without God, then we exchange the truth for a lie. Romans chapter 1, I'm bringing this to a close, eventually. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who was blessed forevermore. Amen? Amen? So what can we do? What can we do against such a fight? Psalms, 1, Psalms 11 verse 3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I like the very next verse, if you would put that up, verse 4. Here's the answer to what the righteous can do. The Lord is in His holy temple. Wait. Here's the answer. If the foundations are destroyed, Pastor, there's no turning back. We, it's hopeless. It's, it's, we can't turn it around. The foundations have been destroyed. So what are the righteous to do? The Lord... The foundations are destroyed. What can the righteous do? The Lord is in his temple. About two of you got it. I'll try it again. The foundations have been destroyed. What can the righteous do? The Lord is in his temple. Meaning if the righteous will come to Him in humility and in honesty, seeking His blessings and praying, Father, Thy will be done in my land. Father, I turn from the wicked ways of my people and I come to the temple where You reside and I say, Father, we need You. Oh, ain't nobody even listening to me. I don't need the Republicans. I don't need the Democrats. I need God. I need the Lord, I need Yahweh, I need my Creator. Yes. I'm grateful y'all want to run, but I ain't looking to you to meet my needs. Yes. The Lord yes. is in His temple. Yes, and so I lift up holy hands and I, I bend on bowed knees and I say, God, heal our land once again. Restore righteousness to our land. Thy will be done in our land. For when the foundations of a land are destroyed, the only thing the righteous can do is return to their Creator. Yes. The only thing the righteous can do is come to the temple. Yes. Is there hope yes. for America? Yes, sir. Is there a God in heaven? Yes. Is there even one man who will pray? Yes. Is there even one woman who will worship? As long as there's one man and as long as there's one woman who will come to God and cry out and say, Father, I don't like our land becoming dark. I don't like our land becoming immoral. I come to your temple and I pray thy will be done on earth, even as it's done in heaven, without compromise, without hesitation and without distraction. I'm not ashamed to be called a child of the king. I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian. I proudly stand in my humility and declare I'm a child of God. And I pray for His will to be done. What can the righteous do? We can return. We can go back to Father's house. His mercy is never ending. And His grace is unsearchable. And He's the answer for all men. He's the answer for all women. And whatever your plight, wherever you are, don't look to man to be the solution. Cast your eyes upon Him, for He promised He would meet your need according to His riches, but in glory. I got a few more things, and then we'll... Hallelujah, Father. Remember that God is the giver of life. He's the provider for our liberty, and He and He alone is our benefactor. 
I'm going to give you three things that God has promised us, and it's in the Constitution, life. As Dr. Tony Evans says, from womb to the tomb, I have a God-given right to live. Liberty. I, had a, I have a God-given right to make my own choices. Don't let anyone tell you that because of your gender, your race, your economic standing, that you are part of this group. If, you're, if you have given your life to Christ, you're not part of their group. You're part of His kingdom. And you have a right to think for yourself. you got a mind. You can use it. I don't have to agree with the group. Liberty, listen to this, liberty is equal to responsibility. When I advocate responsibility for my life, someone else will always use it for their benefit. Protect your liberty. When a people surrender liberty for security, they end up with tyranny each and every time. What is liberty? Liberty is the right to make a choice. Don't confuse liberty and freedom. Freedom is the state you're in, but liberty is what got you there. When you surrender your right to make a choice, Cleve, you tell me what to think. You tell me. I don't want to make my own choice. How do I vote, Cleve? You tell me how to vote. Who do I love, Cleve? You tell me who to love. What do I do, Cleve? You tell me what to do. Unless Cleve is the most righteous man that ever walks the planet, and I abdicate responsibility of my life to him, he's going to use my life for his benefit. When you abdicate the responsibility for your own life, you surrender your liberty to them, they're going to use you for their benefit. Then you become their slave. Property. America's founders understood clearly that private property is the foundation not only of prosperity but of freedom itself. So when we vote, understand the platform. Are they protecting your life? Are they protecting your life from womb to tomb? Are they protecting your liberty? Or are they trying to take away your liberties? Are they protecting your right to private property? Or do they tell you, for the good of all, you must surrender your right to your own property? That ain't security. That's tyranny. Because the next step is they will tell you where you live. They will tell you how big of a domicile you are allowed. I've been in Eastern Europe. I know what the state thinks you're worthy of. And you're worthy of so much more. So at this time, I'm going to ask if we could, I think I put some uh, Falls, Cleve, Steve. I want to ask if, you've not, if you'd be interested in the party platform, go ahead and hand those out to every person in here. Once you have that, we're going to pray together, and then we'll end today's service. And I know this was different, but I hope it was okay. Thank you, Father. I don't like seeing brothers against brothers because of political reasons. I have a dear friend that I've known since we were this high. And on Facebook, he said something negative about me because of something I put up. Then I try to be pretty non-political. And then, of course, his friend's just piled on, none of them knew me, called me everything from a racist to a bigot, homophobe, everything. I was guilty of things I didn't even understand until I Googled them to see what it was I was guilty of. And then I, re- I referred to my friend and I said, you're better than this. You're better than this. You can disagree with me, but you don't have to demonize me. And understand that you have a right to disagree with someone and not demonize them. Don't make someone less than human just because they disagree with you. And again, keep in mind that when everyone else wants to rant and rave about Donald Trump or Joe Biden, they're both loved by God. They're both created in his image. And don't let a political difference become a spiritual divide.
Amen? So if you have that platform, that's yours to keep and look over. And just so you know, that is what the Republicans say of the Republicans. And that is what the Democrats say of the Democrats. It's not one party slanting what the other party says. That comes from both of their websites, so they put it up. All you have to know is, okay, I agree with this. And if you agree with it, then go vote your conscience. Amen? If I could ask you to stand, we're going to bring this service to a close. But I want to ask you to stand. And if you want to take your flag as a point of contact, that's wonderful. I appreciate you coming out today. <clears throat> After we pray, if you need prayer this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as Christ, this is not a political rally. It is church. And so we would love to pray with you for your healing, your salvation, your restoration, whatever it is you need. So when we're done praying for our nation, our prayer team will come forward and you can come forward as well. Our others will meet you at the back. And if you're with us for the first time, don't be scared. It ain't like this every week. <clears throat> Next week, we will shout and clap and everyone will love us. We'll all love each other again because we'll talk about let the king do his thing.